0: Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me just say a word, uh, uh, a couple of words here to start with. Uh, Tucker, thank you so much. Uh, you know, I, I don't know of ever having a young person, a college age person that raised money for a mission trip that had money left over. <laughs> Have y'all ever heard of that? I have never heard of that before in my life. I mean, i you would have thought he needed a new iPad or a new, you know, uh, anyway. Uh, support that young man. He's real. He's And uh, and Tucker, I appreciate you so much. And then, just say a word, a uh, college group meets on Tuesday night. Brother Alan Bushanik there is, is teaching with them. And they're over here in the, what's it called? 412. 412. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm used to a 410, but I've never had a 412. But uh, anyway, and, and who? Toby and Kim. Uh, yes, uh, where, yeah, yeah, there they are, okay. Anyway, they're over there on Tuesday night. Now, they buy pizza, you know. Alan's a tight wad. He's going to buy the cheapest CC's pizza there is. But... Uh, uh, But if one of you would like to say, hey, I'll cook for the college one night on Tuesday night, they'd be more than happy to accept that, you know. They'd be thrilled to accept that. Uh, So get with Brother Allen or Toby or Kim or one of those or Brother Aaron and take care of that. I appreciate that. Uh, is, Is that confirmed, Brother Case? Did that happen on the trailer? All right. Has anybody announced that? Okay. You know, two years, we've broke ground on this building. I mean, it has been one satanic problem after the other. Our guys have done a marvelous job. I'm talking marvelous. And last night, someone stole uh, Mike Taylor's equipment trailer. Had about $20,000 worth of equipment in it. We'll get the license number. I want everybody in here to be a detective for about two weeks. And when them sucker gets out on the road, I want you to blow every tire they got out. We'll put new tires on it. (laughs) You shut that thing down, we'll put new tires on it, and we're going to find out who did that, amen. Uh, Oh, it's found? Everything was was out of it. Got the trailer, but okay. All right, everybody hit the pawn shops then. Don't carry your gun in the pawn shop, though, all right? Thank you, Ms. Barbara. Thank you. I appreciate uh, our our men. our, Our men have used their equipment. They've used time. We've had thousands, even in the hundreds of thousands of dollars given through time and equipment and all to make that building possible. And on March the 15th, oh, you do not want to miss that day. It's going to be Move That Bus Day. I don't know if you've ever seen that show or not, but we're going to have a big painting out there, and there's going to be a big bus. And when the crowd gets loud enough, Move That Bus, Move. we're going to move that bus, and everybody's going to go in. It's going to be a marvelous, marvelous day. You do not want to miss it. Would you turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 19. As we continue on through the book of Matthew, we looked at chapter 18, Wednesday night. You say, well, preacher, I I don't come on Wednesday night. Well, then you miss Matthew 18. You need to come on Wednesday night. Uh, and Sunday night and Sunday morning too. Uh, Hebrews is a tremendous, those warning, you need to be here tonight at 6 o'clock. Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 16, as we think this morning, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. Beginning in verse 16 of Matthew 19, would you stand please? In honor of God's holy, inspired, and Aaron all sufficient Word, and behold, one came and said unto him, "Good Master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life?" And he said unto him, "Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments." And he said unto him, "Which?" And Jesus said, "Thou shalt do no murder." Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, all these things I have kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast. Give to the poor, thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Father, would you speak this morning as only you can through the power of your Holy Spirit. We're weak, we're weary, we're frustrated. But, oh God, through the power of your Spirit, I ask you to bellow out the proclamation that you desire this congregation to hear today that Jesus be glorified, that not a soul in this place would miss Jesus today. Father, make it clear to us, simple, understandingly. We love you and praise you. Thank you for what we're gonna do. In Jesus' name, amen. A very sincere, religious young man came to Jesus to inquire about the means of living forever. Now, who doesn't want to live forever? (laughs) In my 49 years, I counted up, there's been one guy that I talked to in my 49 years of ministry that was looking forward to going to hell. There was one guy. I mean, he was just that wicked. uh, He was looking forward to going to hell. That's only one. Everybody else is looking forward to eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. What we need to do is make sure that we don't miss Jesus because the only way you're going to have eternal life is to come by way of the cross. The cross is the final word, and it's through Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three mention this incident. You put them together. Matthew talks about the the guy was young. Luke 18, 18 says the man was a ruler, and Mark chapter 10 it describes the enthusiasm of him. There came one running and kneeled to him. Uh, and, and uh, uh, We put all of that together, and we find that these young pers- this young person here was interested in spiritual things. Most of us adults, if we're not careful, we write young people off. We think they're all liberal left-wing nuts, and maybe 90% of them are. I'm not sure, but I'm seeing some here that love the Lord. They want to know. You know what our young people are tired of? It's not so much that they're tired of God. They're tired of the fake. They're they're tired of the putting on the show. Man, they want to be in a place where God is. And uh, I think this young man was interested in that also. Far, far. Too many people miss Jesus every day. Now, you would think, There are four things here in this scripture that show why he missed Jesus. And you would think that we could go ahead and write a book about these four things and we could put them out there and then no one else would ever fall for this trap again. But the bottom line is, even as I speak today, these four things are still being actively missed. And people are missing Jesus because of the four things that this young man did. Now, let's just look at him briefly. First of all, this young man had a wrong idea about salvation. He had a wrong idea about salvation. He comes to Jesus and he said, what good thing, what good thing can I do? You see, the one who possessed everything, this young man was wealthy. He was a ruler. He possesses all of this stuff. He's fixing to find out, bless God, there's something you can't buy, and that's Salvation. He comes thinking he can. What good thing can I do? He's got the wrong idea about salvation. There are a lot of false views concerning salvation. There are many people today in this world we're living in that teach you you've got to work your way to heaven. You've got to do good works in order to be saved. I want to tell you, your good works and all of you will end up in a place called hell. I don't care how many good works. You can't do enough good works. There are people today who teach that it's faith Plus, you got to have faith. Plus, anytime you put plus, you just became a heretic. I'm telling you, salvation is through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's by faith alone and nothing else. But there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people talking about birthright. I've got a birthright. I'm a Jew, so I know I'm saved. I'm an American. I know I'm saved. That's hogwash. Then there's some that talk about denomination. There are denominations that say if you're not part of that denomination, you can't go to heaven. Mm. Well, they're all wrong. Folks, we need to remember that salvation is not about something to do. It's about something that's already been done. You can't do it. It's already been done. Jesus has already bought and paid for it. It's not what I can do for Christ It's what Christ has done for me. And there's only one way of salvation. I don't care what your grandmother told you about your denomination. I don't care what the television evangelist said. I'm telling you, Acts says, they brought him out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He goes on in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now I hasten. Baptists always shut her down right there. Verse 10 doesn't knock off good works. It says we're created to do good works. Just because you got saved don't mean you don't have to work. It means you ought to start working for the glory of God. And then John 3 16, for God so loved the world, say it with me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. John 14 6, they're there, and Thomas says, Lord, we don't know what you're talking about. We don't know where you're going. We don't know how to get there. Jesus said, Thomas, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you're ever going to be saved this morning, you're going to be saved by coming through the blood of Jesus Christ. You've got to get to the cross. You've got to meet Jesus. This young man, in all of his sincerity, in all of his interest, in all of his concern, in all of his with, with, uh, wealth, had the wrong idea about salvation. I want to tell you what else he had the wrong idea about. Listen, don't you have the wrong idea about salvation. It's not who you are this morning. It doesn't make any difference who you are. Listen, the Lord is more concerned with your future than he is your past. And there's not a thing you've done in this room that if you'll repent of, God won't forgive you of. Not a thing. Not a thing. Well, he also had some wrong ideas about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior. He called him good master. Now, what does that mean? Well, in his lingo, that meant he was a great teacher. Well, so what? There's a lot of great teachers. We've got a lot of great teachers in this church here. Tremendous teachers. Fantastic teachers, but they ain't God. See, he's saying he's a good teacher, No, he's God. He's God. Any other view concerning Jesus but that he is 100% God and 100% man will never bring you to a place of salvation. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was a Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is a teacher. Yes, he is. He is an example. Yes, he is. He is a way shower. Yes, he is. But I want to tell you more than all of that, he is deity. He is God Almighty in the flesh today. He is the, uh, who is Jesus to you? We looked at that a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week or a week before last, when the disciples, Jesus said, whom do men say that I am? Oh, you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. Well, who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. You remember what, what Jesus said? You're right, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Don't get puffed up. You didn't come up with that on your own. The Holy Spirit of God gave that to you. That's who he is. Listen, you either believe it all or you're not going to get in at all. Mm. We've got to confess our sin. Uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, man believeth under righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You're not going to get into heaven sliding in secretly in the back door. You're going to have to stand and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and my Savior. This young man had a lot going for him but he had wrong ideas about salvation. He had wrong ideas about the Savior but then he had his head in the sand about his sin. Now, I, I know I'm judging. Just go ahead. I've already repented of it. I know I'm judging. <laughs> but he says here, when Jesus marks out these murder and adultery and not stealing and not bearing fault with, honoring your father and mother, he said, I've kept all, I want to say liar, liar, pants on fire. Because <laughs> he ain't done that. I think he lied. I think he's lying. Now, I don't know that he intentionally lied. I think he's got his head in the sand about his sin. There's sometimes sin hits us from the side, amen? You ever been hit like that? I mean, you cruising along, praising the Lord, just everything great, all of a sudden, bam, come in from the side. You didn't even see it coming. Sin happens like that. But I want to tell you, for most part, most of us in this room, well, let me just talk about me. That way you know who I am. For me, most of the time I sit down and plan my sin out. And then I justify why I can do it. Now I know y'all don't ever do that. I sit around, I justify why I can do it. What, what do you, which, Preacher, what do you mean? I mean I got my head in, my, in the sand about my sin. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's exactly what I mean. Because I want to tell you, to the Lord Jesus Christ, sin is sin. And it really doesn't matter whether you think it's a big sin or a little sin or what kind of sin it is. Sin separates us from God. All of these, he said, I've kept. (laughs) There's just no way. Salvation is always accompanied by conviction of sin. John 6:44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. I'll raise him up the last day. John 16, 8, when he's come, he'll reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Don't sit here this morning and put your head in the sand and think that you can come to Jesus anytime you get ready to. I'm telling you this morning, you may be here. I'm, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. There is a time when you've said no to God so much that God leaves you alone. If you can sit here in this service and you can hear music like this and you just sit there and it don't bother you, you ain't moved at all. Mm, first thing I'd do is get out this altar and I'd see if there wouldn't be something God could do. But if you ain't been moved by any of this, you're probably not going to ever be moved. You can say no so many times. Now, if you're here this morning, though, and God's already touched your heart, and you say, well, I don't know what that is. It's called the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. And if he's touching your heart, that means there's still an opportunity for you to be saved. There's still an opportunity for you to come to Jesus Christ. Conviction of sin and confession of sin. We confess our sins. The Bible says... In 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when you look over in the book of Luke, he spake a parable in chapter 18. Two men went up in the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, one was a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I'm not like men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers. Now, you say, preacher, I ain't never prayed like that. I would never say that. No, but in the back of your mind, you drive down Highway 80 and you say, I think I'm not, thank you, God, I'm not like that guy. Thank you, God, I'm not like that woman right there. Well, he said, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes. I possess. The publican standing afar off would not even lift up his head eyes unto heaven, smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, here's this bottom, bottom line. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Mm. Wow. Confession of sin, conviction of sin. Sin can never be dealt with until it's brought out in the open. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that I want you to come down front in this auditorium this morning and confess your sin to this whole church. That's not what I'm saying. Don't even hint that way. Unless, unless you have spoken evil against this whole church body, then you need to come down here and apologize and repent to this whole church. But when he's talking about confessing our sin, if you've done something against someone else, you need to go to that person and confess that sin and repent and apologize. Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesses and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You go all the way back to the third chapter of the book of Genesis when all of this started. Adam and Eve, they eat of that fruit. Immediately they know they're naked. They go out and, and put some fig leaves together. And I don't know if somebody found a sewing machine somewhere out there in the bushes or something. They ought to all got them tied together and, and they think they're all right. Hey, we covered it up. We're all right. But there's only one problem: the God of this universe came walking down through the garden saying, Adam, where you at? Adam? Where art thou? You stick your head in the sand and you cover your sin up all you want to. But there's a God in heaven that knows what it is. And He's asking you, Where are you? Where are you? I believe with all my heart. I pray diligently. God, make this a church where folk come to this altar and pray. God, please make it a church. It warms the aisles up. It it makes it a loving church. You know why I believe people don't want to come to this altar and pray? Because you've got unconfessed sin that you don't want to deal with. And you knew if you came down here to get before God, he's going to make you deal with it. I'll move on. We love to preach Revelation 3.20 as pastors for lost people. It makes a great salvation sermon. But you know what? Revelation 3 was not written to lost people. It was written to the church. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. He's talking about trying to get into our lives. He wants to come in and fellowship with us. Please don't let pride stand between you and your eternal salvation. You say, preacher, that first step, I just it's hard. I, I, mm, I, we don't have time this morning. But if I said, well, let me just ask you this. If this is what you're thinking this morning, would you just lift your hand up? If you take that first step, God goes with you the rest of the way. Are you thinking that? Is anybody thinking that this morning? Am I the only one thinking that this morning? If you take that first step, God will go, well, bless God, there ain't very many of (laughs) us. Maybe that's why ain't nobody taking that first step. Well, let me tell you something. When you take that first step toward Christ, he'll wrap Himself around you and he'll walk right down here in front with you. He won't leave you nor forsake you. Well, this guy had a problem with his salvation. He had a problem with the Savior himself. He had his head in the sand about his sin. And the fourth thing that's evident here in this, his possessions mean more to him than anything else. Hmm. Sorrowful, the Bible says, he walked away sorrowful because he had great possessions. You know, I was thinking about this and uh, early this morning. And really, a better way of putting this, I don't want to rewrite the Bible, but it, it says he had no, uh, he had great possessions. It really could be said he had no possessions because his possessions had him. Mm. I mean, all he had, they had him. Jesus was sad. He's come face to face with a man in danger of losing his soul and yet he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. "Hmm, folks, there's no material possession worth going to hell over. There's no sin you're clinging to worth going to hell over. There's no pleasure, there's no indulgence. Nothing is worth going to hell over. Jesus said, when he called the people unto him with his disciples, He said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, and the gospels, the same, shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. What's holding you back this morning? Don't let sin hold you back. Don't let your possessions hold you back. Don't let your pride hold you back. You know, the real bottom line is, we, we sometimes don't like to look at it like this, but God really promises us more in return than we ever give up. Now, I know we meet it and you say, yeah, preacher, you're talking about heaven. I, I am, but listen listen what the scripture says. Jesus in Mark 10 said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospel's, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. God's going to bless you right now. Anybody here been blessed today? You've been blessed because God has blessed you? He's going to bless you with houses and brethren and sisters and mother, children, lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. Eternal life. Albert Pujols. Baseball getting ready to start. I love baseball. Albert Pujols is not one of my favorite guy. He's probably cost the Texas Rangers more games than anybody uh, in in uniform. But he was a St. Louis uh, Cardinal player for many years. Tremendous man. Uh, World Series, National League MVP awards, and and eight time All Star. But but. Uh, and then he went to Los Angeles and, and playing for them, the angels. But uh, more important than that, him and his wife are sold out, dedicated disciples of Christ. They love the Lord. He was speaking at an event in a high school in Missouri. And this is what he told the audience, men and young men, boys. He said, as a Christian, i have called to live a holy life. My standard for living is set by God, not by the world. I'm responsible for growing and sharing the gospel. Mm. And he read Philippians 2, 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in the lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. And he told the crowd, he said, One way for me to stay satisfied in Jesus is for me to stay humble. And staying humble is getting on my knees. And he added this, it would be easy to go out and do whatever I want, but those things only satisfy the flesh for a moment. Jesus satisfies my soul forever. Ooh, we need men playing baseball that believe that. And not only believe it, he acts it out also. There's a beautiful city of Venice, Italy, high up on a hill, There's an old man that lives up there on a house, in a house, and they call him a genius. They say the old man's a genius. Two of the younger guys in the village decided they'd see if they couldn't fool him, wanted to fool the old man. So they captured a a young bird and held it in his hand, and they went up to see the old man, and they said, Listen, uh, I got this bird in my hand, and uh, you're supposed to be the genius. Is the bird dead or is the bird alive? The old man looked at him, never never missed a beat. He said, son, if I say that the bird is alive, you're going to crush him in your hand and kill him. If I say the bird is dead, you're going to open your hand and he's going to fly away. So you see, son, in your hands hold the power of life and death. I want to tell you this morning, Don't blame it on your family. Don't blame it on a church. In your hands, the Lord has given you freedom, the power to overcome death and evil. If you'll accept it, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Father, I ask you this morning, speak to our hearts Lord, we don't want anybody to leave this room today missing you. I pray that, God, will we'll slow down. We'll listen for you. You'll speak to each one of us. We'll come to the point in our life where it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. doesn't matter what anybody says. All we want to do is please Jesus. There are souls in this place today, Lord. You know who they are who are lost. And, oh, God, I'm asking you today to reach down and save them before it's eternally too late. Lord, there are others here that just need to come and kneel at this altar and say, Lord, I need to do business with you. I want you to speak to my heart, Lord Jesus, and have your way in my heart and life. Lord, would you let that happen today? There are others in this room that may need a church home. Lord, if you're speaking to them, I pray they'll come forward today. I pray today, Lord, you'll just have your way in every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.